This is Nick Costos of CBS Sports HQ and Sportsline, and you are listening to the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast with my guy, the host with the most, Tim Monk. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast with your host, Timothy Lambert Monk. Yes, we welcome you in to the Full 10 Yards Podcast, bonus episode for you today. And the reason it's a bonus episode is because we have a very special guest. And our very our very special guest is uh, not only the anchor on CBS Sports HQ, he's not only on Sportsline, he's not only on the In This Corner podcast talking all things WWE, he is the hashtag Mr. Monday Night himself. It's my man, Nick Costas, who very uh, is, is very... Uh, is joined us on the show today and I'm uh, without trying to sound like a, a, an 18 year old girl backstage at uh, an Ed Sheeran concert we welcome you in Nick how are you doing my friend you know I'm I like to think I'm a little better looking than Ed Sheeran <laughs> definitely don't have as much money and definitely my voice is not as good as Ed Sheeran but I really appreciate it um appreciate the tweets over the years and and everything and um and, and very uh very happy honored to be joining you on your podcast to talk some nfl so all, all good stuff yeah and i say anyone anyone out there that doesn't know who nick costas is uh is pretty it's pretty much just doing life wrong uh, needs to maybe look at their their life decisions and maybe start again um but obviously nick we're here to to talk a bit of obviously nfl uh we, we've got a bit of wwe stuff obviously because I, I used to watch that back in the 90s the attitude era uh one of the greatest yeah. eras of the wwe so we'll, we'll go through a couple of questions for you there and then I, obviously you, you were, or still are, uh, one of the four horsemen of the Pick 6 podcast. Obviously how I, I come to know who you are and one of the best decisions I've ever made. So just a couple of funny questions there at the end uh, for you. Just uh, And also obviously we have some hot takes uh, and Joss Wright's obviously one of my favourite segments of, of last year. Unfortunately our friend uh, Bobby Brinson has not kept up his part of the bargain and hasn't given me any so... Hopefully you can give him a give him a punch or give him a nudge when you when you see him next. But um, yeah, but we, we we shall crack on. So let's start with uh, let's start with a bit of uh, hot take or just right then, Nick. So my first one for you: uh, Dallas Cowboys take a quarterback in the first round of the 2019 draft. Hot take or just right? Oh, that's a, a big time hot take. They're going to pay Dak Prescott, and I and I think Dak's ultimately going to be okay. And like. I don't think you can really blame Dak Prescott for what's for what's going on here with, with, with the Cowboys. And, yeah. and you look at like Thursday Night Football, for example, and the way Sean McVay is coaching this Rams offense. Jason Garrett and Scott Linehan are dinosaurs <laughs> by by the modern NFL standards. Like these guys can't get the job done. I mean, Jason Garrett has been the coach there forever. He's basically like the Jerry Jones water boy. Like he's a yes man. That's why he has the job. At some point, they got to move this offense into the 21st century. Like this is not the NFL of yesteryear where you can win with no wide receivers and no vertical passing game. It's just not possible. Now, Tavon Austin scored that one touchdown against the Giants, which I which I put more on the Giants' defensive ineptitude than, like, great scheming by, by this Cowboys offense here. So I, I don't blame Dak Prescott for the, the struggles of this offense. I think Dak's pretty good, mm-hmm. and I actually think Dak's going to have a good game on Sunday when the Cowboys host the Lions. Mm-hmm. He's going to bounce back because the narrative has become now that Dak's like Brock Osweiler. Yeah. Dak Prescott's 500 million times better than Brock Osweiler. Dak Prescott's <laughs> a good quarterback. If he actually has weapons, I think he can put up a bunch of numbers, and I think that he puts up the numbers anyway. Mm-hmm. Major hot take, Cowboys will not draft a quarterback in the first round mm-hmm. next year. Yeah, I thought I thought I'd start off hot, and obviously for the, for the listeners out there that don't know, obviously Nick is a, a big blue fan, New York Giants fan. Um, so who 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 has a higher draft pick in twenty nineteen, the Cowboys or the Giants, Nick? 
Oh, the Giants. There's no question. Yeah, there's no question about it. The Giants stink. Um, I actually think they've got a chance to win this weekend. But over the over the course of the season, this is going to be a six or seven win football team. They just don't have enough pass rush. The offensive line's not good enough. And again, like I do think they can keep the game close this week against the Saints. But yeah, I think the Giants will win five or six games this year. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I like the the spot for Giants here at home on on Sunday against the Saints. There, that Saints defense is uh, more is, is so porous. It's it's unbelievable compared to. Compared to last year, um, okay, so I didn't know if you know, Nick, obviously I'm a Cowboys fan, so it's just quite interesting to see the Cowboys slash, uh, slash Giants there. So I apologise for the, being the Cowboys fan, but then I suppose you need to apologise for being a Giants fan as well. But um, ho-hum, we sh- we'll, we'll move on. No, I mean, there's, there, there's <laughs> Cowboys fans everywhere. You don't have to apologise. It, it, it's all good. And plus, you know, you guys haven't won a Super Bowl in like 30 but, years, so no, you know, no. it's all good. We, we, won't, we won't win another one in another 30 years until uh, Jason Carrot's hands fall off from clapping too much. Um, but that's a whole different that's story. That's right. That's a whole different story. Oh my God, he 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 grates me so much, Jason Garrett. Anyway, moving moving on. This isn't a this isn't a hate on the Cowboys podcast because I, I get that every week anyway. Um, next next one up, Ryan Fitzpatrick starts all sixteen games this season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, that's the hot take of the millennium. There, Ryan Fitzpatrick will start one more game for the Buccaneers, and it'll be this Sunday against the Bears. He's going to stink it up because that's what Ryan Fitzpatrick does. He'll have a couple great games and then a couple terrible games. He's a great backup. And the the expression that I like to use is like, is he the kind of guy that you give the keys to the car? Like, is he the guy that you want driving your car for 16 weeks? No. But like if the driver becomes, and this is probably a bad analogy with the whole Jameis Winston Uber stuff, but but anyway, you you get where I'm going here. (laughs) Like you don't want him driving that car for 16 weeks. That's not what he is. He's a great backup, maybe the best backup quarterback in the NFL. When he can come in for a couple games, get hot, when you some football games. But no, he, he's not as good as Jameis Winston. And he'll stink it up this Sunday against the Bears on the road. This Bears defense is really good. The Bucks go into their bye week, and Jameis Winston, I believe, will be the starting quarterback coming out of the bye. So, major hot take. I don't think there's any chance Ryan Fitzpatrick starts the full 16 games. No, no, I totally agree there. Um, two more two more to go then. Um, back, back to the NFC East. Is the NFC East the worst division in football right now? Ooh. Is the NFC East the worst division in football? Well, I mean, you might be able to say that the AFC East is worse. You know, I, I don't think that the NFC East is the worst division in football. And I, because I, I think the Redskins are pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I think the Redskins are better than people think. Yeah. And I think the Eagles are still better than people think. Like, Philly's kind of flying under the radar a little bit, which is weird for a team that just won the Super Bowl. Yeah. But with Wentz just coming back, they haven't really looked dominant in any of the three games. They're only two and one. I think they'll handle Tennessee on Sunday, and I still think this Eagles team has a ton of upside. Great head coach, obviously. And once Wentz gets his legs underneath him fully coming off the torn ACL, I think that they'll be fine. I mean, the AFC East right now is is dreadful. The Jets stink. The Bills stink. I mean, we don't know what's going on with the Patriots. The Patriots should be okay, and and the Dolphins. I feel like they're three and zero, but I mean that's not more than a nine and seventeen, maybe ten and six, if everything breaks right. So I actually think that maybe right now you can make the case that the NFC East is is in fact the worst division. But I think that as the season rolls on, I think that that will uh, that will not prove to be the case. The NFC West. Also not great, obviously, outside yeah. of the Rams, especially yeah. with, with the Jimmy Garoppolo injury. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, in the AFC East, I think you could easily make a case that despite New England being there at the top eventually, we think, yeah. um, I don't think the NFC East is the worst division in football, no. No, obviously a big game uh, in Foxborough this weekend, uh, Patriots-Miami. Uh, obviously Miami some, somehow come out with a W there. That, that uh, certainly puts the cats amongst the pigeons in that, in that division. That'd be um, you know, alarm sirens ringing... Uh, yeah. Louder than Le'Veon Bell's agent, uh, which moves me on to my next one. Le'Veon Bell plays zero games this season. Hot take or just right? 
Um, Le'Veon Bell will 100% play games this year. He's not that. I mean, this situation is dumb, and Le'Veon's actually a smart guy. And I actually, I know his agent a little bit from my time working at NFL Radio, Adisa Bakari. He's a really nice guy, and he's really smart. Which kind of was like, what the hell happened? Like, why are they? It makes it makes no sense what they're doing here, unless they feel like they can totally recoup it in free agency next year. Mm-hmm. So I look, yeah. maybe it'll work out, maybe it won't. But I mean, it's fair to question what they've done. Obviously, here, yeah. Le'Veon will play football this season. He's going to show up by week ten. He's not forfeiting the entire year's pay. Unless I mean, that would be just catastrophically stupid. I guess it's within the realm of possibility because you know. Lots of things are who the hell knows, but I think the smart money is that Le'Veon Bell shows up either Steelers trade him or he shows up in week 10 and he plays down the stretch for them and maybe into the postseason if the Steelers get there. But that's not even a lock at this point. So, yeah, I do think Le'Veon will play and I do also think it's dumb what he's done thus far. Yeah, I, th- I think the Le'Veon Bell-Pittsburgh kind of relationship there is maybe a bit too fractured and a bit too far gone now maybe to to see him back in the Steelers shirt. But it's an interesting one because obviously previous years everyone's held out until maybe the first game they've shown up week one and then everything's been okay. So yeah, it's just been interesting that a couple of players have, have decided to miss miss some games, which is obviously not, not really the norm. Um, but last one then, Nick. Pat Mahomes, MPV, he's going to win the MVP uh, at the end of this season. Hot take or just right? Um... Um, I, I think it's a hot take, but it's not like that much of a hot take. And I think the reason why it is a hot take is because we just saw what Jared Goff did on Thursday Night Football. And, and I think the Rams are the best team in football. The Rams are going to play the Chiefs later this season in Mexico City. Then that could end up being the best game of the year. No defense in that game. But here's why I think Jared Goff right now is the front runner to be league MVP. The Rams are better than Kansas City. The Rams' defense is better than the Chiefs' defense. Like, lost in this whole thing, and this is why, like, I feel like Mahomes won't win it. Unless, like, he puts up, like, Dan Marino numbers from the 80s or, like, throws 50 touchdowns like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, which is not outside the realm of possibility. Right. I would bet against it, but, I mean, it's, it, it, it is possible. I just think the Rams are better. Yeah. And if the Rams, let's say, go 13-3 and three or 14-2, and two, and the Chiefs go 10-6, and 11-5, and five, and Mahomes only throws five more touchdowns than Goff, Goff's going to win the MVP because he's the quarterback of the best team. Mm. So I do think it's a hot take for Mahomes to win MVP. It's not crazy. Like, it could it could happen. But I think at this point, after what we saw on Thursday Night Football, Jared Goff is the clear frontrunner to be league MVP. Mm, yeah, no, but I was looking at the betting, actually. Jared, Jared Goff over here, 16-1 to 1 regular season MVP. So that might be worth a, a couple of nuggets. Um, yeah, oh, like if it. it's 16-1 to 1 now, after what we saw on Thursday night, yes, I would say it's definitely maybe worth more than a few. <laughs> um, you, yeah, you, of course, uh, you have your hand in quite a lot of uh, honey, honey jars there, obviously, with your, your DFS. And, of course, you do love a little flutter as well. Obviously, you're doing very well in the, this year in the Super Contest, from, from what I hear, obviously, on the uh, your segment there with... With our friend Bobby Brinson on the Pick Six podcast yesterday, I think it was. Um, so yeah, hope you, hope that continues for you as well. So uh, always listen. Yeah, I'm, I, I just I just want to be clear about this. I'm beating Bobby Brinson's ass right now in the Super Contest. So yeah, let's just I just want to be. He, Bobby's doing okay. I'm crushing Bobby as I always do. And that's that's the way that's the way we like it, Nick. That's the way we like it. May long may it long continue. Okay, so let's move on then. So uh, I've said obviously prior to the podcast, maybe some of the the biggest surprises of the season. What's made your main your main surprise uh, going into week four of the NFL season? Yeah, for me, I think I, honestly, I think it's the Kansas City Chiefs um, because I thought that they had a chance to be good this season. But you know, Mahomes, I love Patrick Mahomes, like, and I've loved him from the start. I loved him at Texas Tech, so I'm not surprised that he's good. What I am surprised is that it's not turned the ball over because he's got fully that gunslinger mentality. And that was kind of the 
the prevailing thought heading into the season was, you know, Mahomes is going to light it up. I mean, Andy Reid's a great offensive coach, maybe the best offensive coach in this era when it's all said and done. The guy just can't manage a clock to save his life. So <laughs> it's not a shock that Mahomes is putting up numbers. But again, we thought he'd be turning the ball over as well. And yeah. Kansas City's defense absolutely stinks. It's just the fact that they're racing out to these huge leads that enables them to kind of win these football games and, yeah. and start the season 3-0. and Like, I don't think the Chiefs are as good as they've looked in the first three weeks of the season. And I don't think Patrick Mahomes is as good as he's looked through the first three weeks of the season. Now, they're still the favorites to win the AFC West at this point. The Joey Bosa injury absolutely kills the Chargers. And plus, I think Reed's a much better coach than Anthony Lynn. So the Chiefs look like very much a playoff team at this point. But I don't think they're one of like the three or four best teams in football. At some point, that defense is going to catch up to them again, unless like the, unless this is like the 1984 Miami Dolphins and Mahomes is going to throw 50 touchdowns, which is, is not crazy to think. No. I would just bet against it. So mm. I think the Chiefs have actually been the biggest surprise this season mm. um, in all totality. Yeah, obviously Chiefs go uh, Denver on Monday Night Football this week, and then obviously Jacksonville would be the uh, the litmus test there for for Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City offense, but my, it's, it's certainly entertaining to watch. So, yeah, you know, you know no complaints, uh, certainly from this side of the pond anyway. Um, yeah, for me, the, the one the one bigger surprise uh, is not necessarily a team, but it's, it's more so the run games. Obviously, you don't really see bell cow backs much anymore. Obviously, they, you know, they go man in, in first round in drafts, and you can usually count on one hand how many teams deploy the, you know, a bell cow running back. But you, you're surprised to see maybe... That they, you know, teams going more with a two-headed approach now or committee approaches. I mean, there's no, there's no running back that's gone over 300 yards so far singly uh, in the NFL. Obviously, only eight over 200 yards. Is that, is that normal for? Over, obviously, I've only been following the, the NFL for you know 10 years or so. You know, it, is it just change? Is it just the case of it's modernising and changing, and teams are going to two, two running backs? Well, yeah, I, I, I think it's a modernisation of the game. And, and, and look, you know. I've been watching the NFL since I was a kid for about 30 years now. And, and it used to really just be the one running back system. And like yeah. there would be sporadic teams that would use two running backs, but mostly it was like in the third down role, right? So the Giants, for instance, when I was growing up, had OJ Anderson and Rodney Hammond and the bruising running backs. And then they had Dave Meggett, who was their punt returner and like the third down specialist. So teams have been doing this for, for and, and, and obviously that's been the case since, since before the 90s, also the early 90s as well, mm. where teams have been doing that. So, so it's really, it's nothing new. I think it really just comes down to like the skill set of that particular running back. So you look at a high draft pick like Derrick Henry, for instance, the Heisman Trophy winner at Alabama. He's not a pass catching running back, right? So you need a Deion Lewis. Mm. Like a Deion Lewis has got to be there because if you're down, you're trailing or you're in a two minute. It doesn't make sense to have Derrick Henry out there on the field because, in essence, he's just an extra body. He's a pass protector at that point when you may need someone out there to run a route. So it really just depends on the player. Like, Todd Gurley never needs to come off the field because Todd Gurley can run. Todd Gurley can catch. Todd Gurley can pass protect. So that's another thing that I think is very underrated that a lot of people don't realize when it comes to these running backs getting playing time. And the Packers are a great example of this. So if you watch the Packers run game, right? with um, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and Ty Montgomery. And I know Aaron Jones just coming off the suspension. We have really haven't seen him this year. Jones, in my opinion, and I don't think it's an opinion. I think it's more like a fact, but I mean, some people disagree, <laughs> so whatever. Aaron Jones is the best running back on that team. Yeah. If you watch him run, he's got the most ability. But Jamal Williams is much better picking up the blitz. Yeah. And when we play with Aaron Rodgers and they're playing out of the shotgun, they're playing up-tempo, and they're playing no huddle, you have to have someone in there that you can trust to not get your $100 million quarterback killed. So that's why Jamal Williams gets snaps. That's why Ty Montgomery gets snaps. That's why Aaron Jones is not on the field 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. But when you have a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, 
or you have a Todd Gurley, or for the Giants, you have a Saquon Barkley. Those guys don't need to come off the field because they can do all of those things. They can catch, they can run, they can pass protect. So I think it's really just, it depends on, it's less of like a a league-wide philosophy, I think, and more of a case-by-case basis based on the talents of the running back that they have. Mm. Yeah, no, I absolutely totally agree. Um, uh, Nothing... Nothing really too much to add there, but yeah, no, certainly the, the the backfield of Green Bay has been been a nightmare for fantasy football for for you know since certainly since I've been following football anyway uh, back in the days of Eddie Lacy, to be quite honest. But um, just before we move on to to the, to the other stuff, the WWE stuff, and obviously the Pixie podcast, have you just uh, one of one of the listeners asked just wants your your DFS uh, DFS lock of the week? Who's who are you playing in DFS? Ooh. Oh, you know, I, I actually, I, I'm going to give two quarterbacks that I like and a tight end that I like this week. Well, Odell Beckham, I think, is going to go off. And I think that you should pay up for Odell Beckham this week if you can. Zeke Elliott's going to go off. Those are two guys that you should have. And if you can't get them in the same lineup because they're really expensive, you should have lineups with Zeke, who's going to have a big game, and lineups with Odell Beckham, who hasn't scored yet this year, and he gets the Saints on Sunday. And I think we know how that's going to turn out. Yeah. Um, as far as low-cost quarterback options go, I think Dak's going to have a big game. I really do. And and I think that the Cowboys' offense is going to have a pretty big game. Now, Dak may end up getting it done with his legs more than he does with his arm, but that's fine. You get fantasy points for that. And I also think that Jeff Swaim, the tight end, is starting to emerge a little bit for the Cowboys. I wouldn't play him this week, Jeff Swaim in DFS, but I did pick him up in a couple deep season leagues that I'm in, the season-long leagues. So he's someone that's worth a look. I also like Josh Allen in fantasy this week in daily, believe it or not, because I think the Packers are going to put up a million points on the Bills. And Josh Allen essentially is the Bills red zone running back. He's got three rushing touchdowns in in his first two starts. When they get inside the 10, like that's who they give the ball to. Like it's big Josh Allen and he runs it in. Now, LaShawn McCoy is going to be back on Sunday and that could muddle things up a little bit. But the Bills are going to be trailing. And and I think Josh Allen's a lot better than people have given him credit for. So I think Allen may be worth a look as a dart throw in DFS. And a tight end that I really like, really cheap, $3,300 on DraftKings this week, is Ben Watson. Um, The Saints tight end going up against the Giants. You know, we saw last year... The Giants can't defend the tight end at all. In week one, Austin Safari and Jenkins scored a touchdown that, that was called back on a, on a, on a bogus um, holding call or fans to the face on Andrew Norwell. Then in week two, Cowboys didn't have a tight end to speak of, so that was kind of left out. Last week, the Texans don't really have a tight end to speak of, so that didn't happen either. Now they're facing a legit passing game with a legitimate tight end. Uh, I think Ben Watson's going to score on Sunday against the Giants, and I think that's a pretty good value at tight end. Yeah, absolutely love it. Funnily enough, in my my home league, uh, Evan Ingram was was my tight end, and see, obviously he's gone down. He's MCL sprain for a couple of weeks now, and I managed to pick up Ben Watson uh, to stream for the next week or two. So yeah, no, I like I like that shout a lot. Uh, and, and, and I would throw this out there for anyone that lost Evan Ingram or is looking for so it, not in daily this week, um, but for season longs in deeper leagues, if you can have an extra bench spot. Um, and this may not be the case. You may not want to carry two tight ends. But if you need someone, even as a speculative ad, to start this week and then have going forward, you Mike Gesicki, the second-round pick out of Penn State by the Dolphins. He's starting to see more targets. He's getting red zone targets now. He's a big, big tight end. He's got great hands. He's not really a blocker, more of a receiving tight end. And as he starts to get more and more acclimated into that offense, I think he's got big-time scoring potential. So I think Mike Gesicki is worth a look as well. Yeah, no, I like that. Obviously, I think AJ Derby went out with a, with an injury last week as well. Yep. So yeah, no, I like that a lot. Okay, cool. That's all the uh, that's all the NFL talk to one side. So let's talk about your second uh, your second love, Nick. WWE or WWF, depending on what era you're you're going to. So 
I don't really watch it nowadays. I know you obviously you're a big you're a big NFL, a big NFL, big uh, WWE, but also wrestling in general. Because I've seen you tweet about uh, the Ring of Honor stuff, and obviously Chris Jericho, who's one of my favourite wrestlers of all time. Obviously, he's uh, recently been over over that way. But I just wanted to just get your thoughts. You know, your favourite, you know, who your favourite wrestlers were growing up. Uh, you know, your favourite entrance music types of people, and uh, maybe some some favourite matches over the years. Oh man, I mean, this is kind of a loaded question. I mean, I can give you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, so, so, so let's break this in. Okay, so this is how we'll do right. it. I'll give you my favorite wrestler growing up, my favorite wrestler now, and that 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 that's how we'll do it. Okay, so yep. my favorite wrestler growing up when I first started watching was the Ultimate Warrior. Like I had friends, and I started watching around WrestleMania six, which was Warrior Hogan in the main event, and Warrior beat Hogan. Yeah. Some of my friends were Hogan guys. I was a Warrior guy for whatever the reason. I loved the Ultimate Warrior, so he was my favorite growing up. And my favorite match as a kid growing up involved the Warrior. And that was the year after the Hogan match, which is WrestleMania 7, career-ending match against the Macho Man Randy Savage, which, in my opinion, is Warrior's best-ever match. It's close to a five-star match, not not just in terms of, like, the actual wrestling, because Warrior's not a great wrestler, obviously, Savage is, but the story that they told is so unbelievable. And the fact that Savage starts the match as this real villain, and by the time it's all done and the post-match angle is finished— He's being cheered wildly, and there are people crying in the audience. It's one of the great turns mm. in the history of the sport, and maybe the best turn in the history of the sport. Mm. Um, and I would like if there are people out there, you know, listening that that are wrestling fans and have never seen that match and have the WWE Network, WrestleMania Seven, Ultimate Warrior versus Randy Savage. Make sure you watch the pre-match video so you get like a sense of what the story was going into it, and then just sit back, watch, and, and enjoy the entire thing because it's. It's absolutely magnificent. Um, mm. My favorite wrestlers of all time, Kenny Omega is up there on the list now, who's the current New Japan champion, the IGWP champion. I just think he's he's tremendous. I'm with you on Chris Jericho. I've been a Jericho fan since the mid to late 90s in WCW. I still have my Monday Night Jericho shirt from mm. WCW mm. back from like 20 years ago. I love Jericho. Shawn Michaels, you know, he, if he's not number one, then I would say he's probably number two. So I would say that those are probably my three favorites would be Michaels, Jericho, and Omega. And my two favorite matches, like like since I've been an adult, Michaels Undertaker WrestleMania 25. The yeah. first Michaels Undertaker WrestleMania match. The second one at 26 is great too, which was Street versus Career. Yeah. Undertaker won that one, obviously. The one at 25 is a perfect match. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the best WWE match of all time. Mm -hmm. I know some people disagree with that, but for me, that was the first time that I, I and I remember watching that match and Undertaker tombstones Michaels and you know goes for his pinning attempt, which is you know puts the puts like the hands over the chest and you know puts sticks his tongue out and and, and wait, moves his hair back and Michaels kicked out and I remember thinking in the moment like oh my god like Michaels is going to win this match and for me that's when wrestling becomes elevates and becomes like Shakespeare yeah. when you know it's fake but you kind of lose yourself in the moment and like you're cheering, like you're watching like a real sporting event. That's when they get you. Yeah. And like to be an adult and be like a jaded fan and to still get tricked and to still have those moments where they can suck you in. And all of a sudden, like what you're watching is real. It's not fake. Yeah. That's when they really get you. That yeah. match did it for me. And the other, um, and it's probably, and I think this one actually is kind of widely considered to be the greatest wrestling match of all time. Now, Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada, at Dominion, the New Japan pay-per-view from this June. Um, best two out of three falls, over an hour long. Story, unbelievable. Commentary, unbelievable. Um, the, the wrestling, unbelievable. Um, I could not recommend enough. Go out of your way to watch that match if yeah. you're a wrestling fan. Yeah, no, I certainly will. Obviously, I'm familiar with the wrestlers, but... Uh... I'll be sure to, 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 to find that one on YouTube or on, on the on the airwaves. Um, bit pressed for time, Nick, obviously. So I'll, I'll, just on the WWE stuff, if, if you, or, uh, you or Bobby Brinson were wrestlers, who would you be? 
whew, if me or Bobby Brinson were wrestlers. Well, I think Bobby <laughs> would probably be like like IRS or the Million Dollar Man because he born with a silver spoon in his mouth. <laughs> um, and I think that I'd probably be like, and this is kind of like self-awareness by me. I'm not, the, I'm like five foot eight. I'm not the biggest guy, but I can talk. I think I'd be like Bobby the Brain Heenan. I think that 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 would be me. And I think that if if I were in wrestling, I would be like a heel manager. And I think I'd be great at it, honestly. Like, I don't think there are many things in life that I'm good at, but that would be something that I would be really good at. (laughs) So I would say, like, I'd be like like a Bobby the Brain Heenan, Paul Heyman type. Bobby Brinson would probably be like Erwin or Scheister or the Million Dollar Man. (laughs) Yeah, no, yeah, I can see that. I can see that absolutely. Okay, so obviously, but you know, Bobby Brinson and Jason Luckin for and Pete Prisco and yourself, were obviously the four horsemen on the Pick Six podcast. So just a couple of questions, just to get you out on here, Nick. Um, who, who out of the four of you would be the best wingman? Me. You. Yeah. No, I can see that. <laughs> um, okay. Who? Who that, would not be? Not even close. No. No. I, and, I, and, and for the record, and for the record, Pete would be second. Okay. Cool. I like, I, <laughs> and who who would most likely be the one that gets a drunk tattoo? Um, Lock and Fora. Oh, really? Okay. Wouldn't have had that one. Okay. Um, most most likely to order a male bride. To order what? A male, a male, a male, a male bride. bride. Um, probably me. <laughs> cool. All right. Most likely to buy the crappiest Christmas present. Ooh. I don't think any of us, honestly. Like, I think we're all pretty thoughtful in that regard. Like, I don't, I don't buy crappy gifts, and I don't think they do either. So I, I, I'll i cape up for my guys here. I'll defend my guys. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would, to be honest. Fair enough. And then finally, obviously, this is an NFL fantasy podcast. So who who out of the four of you would most most likely to be uh, secretly collude in, in fantasy? To collude? Yeah. Oh, um, well, I mean probably me but i mean i i haven't i haven't done that sort of thing in in a, in, in a long time but yeah i mean in in my earlier years playing fantasy there, there may have been some collusion attempts um now that i'm in my mid-30s i'm kind of out of that mode um yeah. but it would because i'm listen i'm a wrestling fan and i love stuff like that like yeah. backstage politicking so yeah it would probably be me to be totally <laughs> honest awesome okay cool that, that pretty much uh that pretty much wraps us up. Nick, I want to thank you again so much for, for taking the time to, to come on and talk to us. It's obviously a massive fan of yours. It's a great honour to, to have you on. Uh, and I say for anyone over in the States that's listening to us, firstly, thank you. Uh, obviously, we are obviously over here in the UK. But you can obviously catch Nick on uh, CBS HQ Sportsline Monday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, he's pretty much the face of that franchise and with good reason as well. Nick, been an absolute pleasure, my friends, and no doubt we'll, we'll stay in touch uh, going forward. Tim, I appreciate it. Um, appreciate the support from you. Appreciate the support of everyone that listens in the UK. Thank you guys very much. You enable me to live out a lifelong dream every single day. Um, it's really awesome. Um, anytime, would love to pop on again. And maybe next time we'll talk about the uh, crappy job Jose Mourinho is doing with Manchester United and some EPL stuff too. Oh yeah, that would be yeah, that would be good. Yeah, maybe we'll uh, yeah we'll we'll hit you up on that and uh, and get your thoughts. Yeah, because you're a big soccer fan as well, aren't you? Yeah, but the thing that sucks is during football season, it's very difficult for me because I'm locked into all the other stuff. But once football ends, like, I am locked into soccer for the next, like, four months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, are you you a Manchester United fan? I'm a a Chelsea fan, but, like, I really just want, like, I would root for Chelsea to win, but I, I more like to watch for the great games. And I love the Champions League. So I'm less of a fan of any one team right. in um, in club play. I mean, I do yeah. root for Chelsea, but I'm more looking to watch the best teams and, and play the best games. That's what I'm into. Awesome. Okay, cool. And I say, yeah, all the, all the best, obviously, with your with your Super Contest as well. And to say, hopefully, we'll, we'll speak to you at some point later on in the season. Tim, I appreciate it, bud. Thank you. 
That was the man, the legend, Nick Costos there. You can catch him on Twitter, at the Costos. And of course, if you are subscribed uh, to CBS HQ or live in America, you can find him on Sportsline, Monday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Very much recommend you give him a watch. Give him a follow on Twitter as well. Very knowledgeable man, whether it be about NFL, DFS, gambling or even WWE. But that's going to do it for today's bonus episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe, rate and review the podcast. And we are, of course, at Full 10 Yards on Twitter. But in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show full10yards at gmail.com.